joining me on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And I want to give a shout out today to my homeboy, Andy. Yeah. Blue Bear came through like a whirlwind, like he typically does. Chilled, had a great time, and I really appreciate you stopping by. Sure. Adding us some content, giving us some material support, as people <laughs> tend to do. We are on our new sound equipment as of season three, episode yeah, one. Yeah. We really appreciate everybody who's given us, um, you know, their ear because uh, that's what we're looking for. Honestly, if I entertain you, I thank you for giving us your time. Um, we don't often get material support, and when people do, we really like to give them a, a shout out. So. Shout out to Blue Bear. You yeah. definitely helped us out. And that. this you, is the you. immediate benefit of that. <laughs> so um, moving from that, I know I try to keep it a little bit light in the beginning, but we're going to go ahead into our consistent segment of RIPs. I want to give a RIP to Vanessa Guien. She was a uh, military officer on Fort Hood base. And... She had went missing quite some time ago, and unfortunately, the investigation has returned with her dead body and the remains of another officer who was involved with this, who also who committed suicide, and another officer being detained. And I want to shout out this, this one in particular because it really shows that we we definitely need to deal with this issue of uh white supremacy in America because it impacts us all. You know, black people have been systemically disenfranchised, but that doesn't stop other people from coming here and also being the abject uh uh victims of the white supremacy that exists in our society. And I point that out in this particular case because she was murdered some time ago. She had made an open uh, uh, complaint about the person who then proceeded to murder her and thereafter. And it just shows that when black and brown people make these complaints about the victimization that they receive at the hands of, of white people, we don't get listened to, you know, so we need to stop thinking that hiding in the 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 veil of the military or the police or various institutions that are institutionally racist are in our benefit. You know, this young lady, Vanessa Guillen, I'm sure joined the military with the best of intentions, thinking that she was going to serve a country that did something for her and in the end was victimized by the same white supremacy that pervades throughout the entire country. So RIP to, to Vanessa, I send out my condolences to her family. And that was a very pointed one because I believe that it's, it's a problem that we all need to undertake. If we expect brown people throughout the country to support the cause of Black Lives Matters, we, we have to support them when they are victimized by the same institutions that victimize us. And so, yeah, I wanted to give her a, a little bit of voice on this, this platform as well. So moving on. Hey, we hit episode 53. Yeah. This is the beginning of the third season, episode one, man. Yeah, that's Yo, cool. I really appreciate everyone who's really like stuck it out with us and who actually is gaining from this. That you are why I do this. And so, yeah, definitely on episode one of season three, I'm giving a shout out to the day ones again, <laughs> because you guys, you're my shit. You guys definitely help ratify why I perpetuate this platform. And so, yeah. Um, have you been watching anything? Nah, this week I didn't actually get to see too much. I know it's been a super busy week, man. I didn't yeah. watch too much either. But um, I did catch a stand-up with George Lopez. Nice. How was that? I haven't seen one of his stand-ups in a few years. Okay. <laughs> I, I know. I kind of I jumped That's the shark on funny. that one. But 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna recommend it per se, but it provided a few chuckles. Okay. But only in the most reflective of ways. Because what I'm kind of coming to grips with is is like we're in the throes of of certain pains. Right. And his comedy is firmly rooted in like racist tropes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Many of which aren't positive. And so it made Carolina uncomfortable, so immediately I was unable to enjoy it. And so if somebody who belongs to that culture was off put by it, all I'm going to say is is that it is not a bad stand up, but I don't the jokes that he chose to to focus on I don't think are going to strike funny at this time. Oh. And that's just my opinion. Nah, that's fair as fuck, man. You got to... Now, this now is not really the right time for all these types of... The right types of jokes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and... and George Lopez is a seasoned comedian. I would be remiss to fucking... To, to, to try to tell him how to do comedy. But at the same token, I don't... I, I'm very sensitive to that shit. And I and I have a burning suspicion that maybe a lot of people are very sensitive to negative racist tropes. And so it just didn't hit. It just didn't hit right now. So that is one that I probably will go back to and revisit. But just right now, I, 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 I listen, if you do something that makes my missus un, unhappy... I'm just not gonna fuck with it. <laughs> that yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's just one of those things, and so yeah, it, I would say maybe it is a good stand up, but don't don't hit it right now. <laughs> I don't know if, of course, Netflix is run by white people. Not only is it run by white people, but it's I believe it's run by white people who are not native to America. Yeah, I don't think they're and American so, either. And so, what I've come to understand is that. While white people in America are starting to now become more sensitive to the intrinsic racism in the society, that intrinsic racism isn't recognized in other societies. So, like, Dutch people and French people and a lot of other uh, majority white uh, countries just don't understand the the level and, and systems of racism that exist in America. So they don't understand why, like, maybe it just was tone deaf to put out George Lopez right now, even though he is a comedian of color. His particular type of comedy just doesn't hit right now. Not in America, at least. And if you're like the rest of America, we're 25% of your fucking consumer base. So, you know, you might just want to be reading the room a bit (laughs) at that point. But yeah. So, I, and I say all of that not to, to, to knock on George Lopez. I appreciate his comedy, and I, and I believe that his voice probably is a necessary one right about now. But to run a, a stand-up special that is centered so much around negative racial stereotypes, just might not be the point. Just me. I'm saying it might not be the time. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah. Um, I definitely am going to be catching up on The Wire and, and having a significant amount of watching for the next episode. So we'll talk about that next time. Nice. But yeah, we'll have a, we'll, we'll cut the watching section short a little bit today because we didn't. I, I personally was very busy throughout the week doing other things. So I didn't catch most of the entertainment. That being said, there's been a bunch of entertainment things going on. So. We'll start out with that, move into some social topics, finish out with the politics like we do. Um, I, you know, I want to mix. I'm going to start with a mixed topic because Shine. I'm not. I'm not sure if a lot of people are familiar, but Shine was a popular hip hop artist in the late '90s, early 2000s. I want to say. I don't remember exactly when his songs came out, but I was hugely a fan of what he was putting out at the time. But he's starting to make a foray into politics. He's running for poli- uh, for a, I believe, 
a council member seat in New York. And I support that. Now, at the same time, Diddy is coming out heavily to endorse him. So I hope that this is not just a publicity stunt for an entertainment rollout. Right. That would be very upsetting. But I absolutely support someone like Shine, an everyday's man. I will give him that title as an everyday's man. You know, he's been the victim of not just the systemic racism, racism that's uh, omnipresent throughout our society, but he's also been victimized by his own community because I believe that Diddy had him take that charge on his behalf. Given Diddy's reckless behavior, I believe that Shine in his position didn't didn't probably go through all of the shit that he was charged for directly. But I believe he took, as a street nigga, he understands and took the charge for the nigga who's making money for the set. And that's what, that is what it is. And so I appreciate that someone of that caliber getting involved in politics. And so while I don't typically in endorse things that Diddy moves in the community only because they're typically self-serving. I'm very happy to see someone like Shine getting involved in politics. Right, I right. think that that's a hugely positive thing. I don't know if if you have thought too much, but about entertainment figures getting involved in community politics, but honestly, given the caliber of the people currently involved in community politics, I don't mind. I don't mind. Come on. Can we not can we not agree that the caliber of people who are currently engaging in our in our community politics are are relatively trash by and large. That's not to say that there's not individual communities who have powerful community figures who have been involved in their politics for decades and and even more scores of years i'm not saying i'm not discounting them i'm just saying that on average the people who engage in our in our community politics are pretty trash and so i don't mind shine as someone who has experience going through shit that maybe the average person has gone through gets involved in our in our community politics right right someone who's been harmed by the communities in a much better position you know what i mean and so I don't think that a Diddy endorsement um, tarnishes that. And so I, I'm really happy to see him get involved. And so that I believe that, that that was like a little bit of, you know, entertainment mixed with politics. But yeah, that I thought was really an interesting thing because they're going to bring a different type of politics. And I'm and I'm interested in a revolutionary type of politics. And someone who's gone through his life experience, I think, will bring that. But yeah, you know, that's just hope where that goes. Yeah. That's just that's just my high expectations. Of course, I am completely okay with being let down. It is a very <laughs> regular thing for me when it comes to relying on on entertainment figures to do something of substance. That is right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Man. So. Uh. Unfortunately, I appreciate everyone who has been following us on Twitter and engaging and so forth, but. Twitter has decided that me referencing DJ Academics as a coon was a bridge too far, and I've been banned from Twitter. And in an effort to get back on, they have notified me that I will personally have to take down the post that I put up that they believe was offending of their terms of service. And honestly, I'm just morally opposed to that. I listen, if you don't agree with what I said, you can censor me. That's not my gripe. But if you're asking me to self-censor and take down the post, that's not going to fucking happen because I stand absolutely on what I said. And so did you use the word coon specifically? I did. Absolutely. Yeah. You definitely got banned. And I suggested speech. that his mother should discipline him physically. <laughs> and she, they said that I was violating the um, terms of service and calling for violence against people. And of course, I assume it was a white person because any black person knows that no, asking your parent to discipline you is not violence, motherfucker. It's called physical discipline. And guess what? People who don't have a firm grip on reality sometimes require physical discipline to bring them back to the fact that their actions have physical consequences. And so I'm not calling for fucking violence, fucking Twitter. Like, 
So I've been proposed with several uh, uh, ideas as to why I should return back to Twitter and just take down the post. But me personally, I will say this before I make that decision. I've never been I've never been uncomfortable with being asked to leave. Listen, if you've listened to me for 50 something odd episodes, you I hope you have a firm grip on the idea that I will while out wherever the fuck I am if I believe that it's necessary. And if I say something wild reckless to somebody and they ask me to leave, that is completely within their purview. And I have never balked against that. That is the consequences of saying shit that you feel. Now, Twitter evidently represents a platform in which people believe that they should be told when they're allowed to speak how they feel. Now, I obviously was not calling for violence against DJ Academics. I don't give a fuck that much about him to call for violence against him. But if you if this platform doesn't support my right to tell someone of my own race that I believe that they are fucking performing for an oppressive regime that subjugates us all and that it's not in their best interest or the community's best interest, I believe I would retain that right. And so, no, I don't feel as if if they if they want to censor me, that's on them. But they're not going to require me to take down my post to to be able to participate in their platform. I personally just would prefer not to to participate in their platform because I've always reser- reserved the right to say what I want. And I've also reserved the host's right to say that that's not welcome on my platform. So I personally don't feel as if I should participate in that platform personally because it's only going to, I'm not going to stop saying what I feel. And so I'm only going to perpetually prostrate myself to be censored by Twitter. And I'm not interested in that. But I will say this much. We're looking for a co-host. And so if we can find a co-host who's willing to engage with our social media platform, I I implore all of the people who have been enjoying the the Twitter feed up until this point to just be patient. We will engage back with that platform. But me personally, on my post, I've had my fun. And so Twitter is not a thing that I want to continue to to maybe damage my brand in because I do acknowledge that I exist in a world in which my moral value might not be the moral value of everybody and who I can viably touch. And so we will engage back in the Twitter sphere when we we expand our so our 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 reach. But yeah, Twitter is one of those things that it's a double-edged sword and it's fun while I was able to engage it, but to be, to be able to come on this mic and talk to you guys and be be genuine with things that I say, I can't self-censor myself on Twitter. And it's funny because I was actually watching um, an interview that Nick Cannon did with Professor Griff. And uh, I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of our community doesn't know who Professor, uh, Professor Griff is. But he was the Minister of Information for Public Enemy. So Public Enemy had the core group of performance artists, and then they had the the uh, the ancillary uh, people who were affiliated with the group who were helping to build the uh, the community around the group. And Professor Griff was part of that community, and he was considered the uh, the Minister of Information, and he did a really great information. Uh, I'm sorry, interview with Nick. Canon, and it was interesting because he had a situation in which he presented some knowledge to a group of people who were not interested in it and so public enemy as a very widely known international 
rap group had to distance themselves from that community because of something that progressive uh, that professor griff said and stood on and so i really respect men who who present themselves and present themselves genuinely as who they are and so when it comes to the twitter sphere i'm going to stand on the fact that dj academics is not a healthy figure in the community um I believe that he performs for white people because white people generate funds for him. And he's a, and the things that I said on Twitter in reference to him, hopefully if I ever were to be reinstated, will still stand. Um, so yeah. So I wanted to clarify that real quick because I do know that I was gaining a little bit of a following and people might be interested as to why they don't see my prolific posting as I have been in the past. And that's because Twitter decided that it wasn't uh, it wasn't something that they wanted on their platform. But yeah, um, what's going on else in social news or in entertainment news? Um, actually, there's been a bunch going on in gaming that I wanted to to really touch on. Um, I've been a huge advocate of Cyberpunk 2077, and uh, with all of the positive news, even despite the dis the delays that have been coming out. Tencent is trying to put out their own Cyberpunk 2077 clone. Naturally. Bro, China is over here trying to take over everything, bro. Dude, this shit is the worst. like a hot new market real quick. Well, you know, it's clear it's clear that there is a a uh, market for um first person Cyberpunk uh uh setting games. But it just sucks because Tencent always takes the worst aspects of a games exacerbates them and then makes them makes you pay to play them pay play through them and it's like man i really i'm very much hoping for their uh rendition of of this cyberpunk genre to just fail because because <laughs> cd project red has got it they got it That's locked funny. up bro on every platform you know what i mean like yeah they've done everything right they even they even um put out that if you purchase the game on the current generation of consoles, if you want to upgrade it, it's free to to get the upgrade to the next generation of consoles. That's pretty lit. Which first of all helps the 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 sales of the consoles a ton. Cuz if they know that there's already a solid base of games that will upgrade for free, then people aren't afraid to support the current generation of consoles while still being very enthusiastic for the next generation of consoles. It's just better. And CD Projekt Red is just setting all of the gold standards for what you should expect from a company. And I really appreciate that because you look at things like, uh, you look at franchises like uh, NBA 2020K21, and they're charging, if you purchase the current console generation, you would have to pay an extra, I think, $40 to get the digital upgrade for the normal version of the game. Yeah. Which is like, which is bullshit. When there's companies yeah. that are literally offering the full version of the game and their normal version comes with a lot of additions that you would expect from a special edition nah, for yeah. free. He ain't never gonna do that, man. <laughs> which is which is fine, but I hope that it drives him out of business. That's funny. I mean, you, I would love for CD Projekt Red to make a sports game, just to fuck with them. You know what I mean? Because God forbid they ever made a sports game, they would if they just applied their business model, they would literally drive EA out of the business. I mean, the EA has the advantage of owning the exclusive licensing to the NBA and the NFL, so that's why. They Imagine if CG Project Red rebooted NBA Jam, uh, like I mean, a completely fictitious, like it's completely fictitious, so it doesn't trample on any of the um and and all of the companies. I'm pretty sure since there's no competitors, no NBA franchise has like, signed an exclusivity deal with 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 two K. With you know EA, what I mean? Yes, they do have that. Every single NBA franchise has NFL exclusivity. Has an exclusivity. So if they were, if you were to attempt EA. to make a basketball game, it would have to be completely fictitious teams. Facts. Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That is the reason why EA continues to make shit games year after year, and they don't have to improve on it because oh, they have okay. no. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. 
So, but even if they were to make a, a an NBA Jam and they were put the time because CD Projekt Red puts the time into be their NBA games. NBA Jam it would be Basketball Jam. It would be it would be NFA Jam, something else, <laughs> just anything other than NBA Jam. Yeah. But imagine if they made a game that was close and just ripped them off hardcore, like China always does, and manages to to circumvent copyright law. Just imagine if they made everything just different enough to circumvent copyright law. But recognizable enough to for where American audiences would understand like where the references are from, bro. The game that we would make would so destroy EA that it would completely change the landscape of fucking uh, sports games or at least basketball games. Nah, I think you know that's wishful thinking because there's a it, it's because it, it's fueled by the actual fandom of the games in the NBA and NFL themselves. That's what's keeping you it really alive. Think so? Absolutely. I, I, I think a substantial portion of the gamer base of those games is are black children. And black children don't really have that kind of brand loyalty. Uh, I think that if you put out something that was reasonably enough and they were all and and, nah, and you son. gained traction in the community, nah, you would fucking Hobo James ain't got shit on LeBron James, bro. You don't think that? You know what I'm saying? LeBron Absolutely James. not, bro. Like De- DeBron James the, the can't names do it. Of the 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 celebrities or the basketball players that are in those games, it carries weight based on the shit they do in game from year Yeah, to year but and those stuff like that. but the the franchises are making it increasingly more difficult to even use those players. So most of the people who are playing these games, if they play free to play, they're probably not even playing with those players. Probably not. Or and they so have to earn them the old-fashioned or, way. Or, so you're saying that they're just their presence in the Absolutely. game? Does that? Mm-hmm. That sucks, Bro, man. there are videos of people just spending money to get, like, uh, like yeah, oh, to just get, unlock the S-rank basketball player and shit. Oh, like, it's so nah, bad. It's, but like, you know what it is? I've hardened my, my heart to, to that game that game mechanic through years. Yeah, me too. Years. Sure. Like, it just sucks that there's still people, like, falling prey to that shit. But, but the thing is, though, that's EA's whole business model. They're never going to do that. It is their whole business model. They do that their with whole business 2K. Model they do it with uh, their shooters. All the, all the, yeah, it's just, that's just what they do. They take one game. No, bro, they put a literal, they, in NBA 2K21, there is a pachinko machine and a slot machine. Yeah. That Show shit me. is bananas to me. Got to make money. It's literal gambling to, money. that yeah. it has on a game that has an ESRB rating. Yeah. They literally have gambling in games for killed children. Like, but here's the light, bro. The fuck, yo, the UK House of Lords. I, well, listen, I don't even know what the equivalent real. of the House of Lords is to the right. American equivalent, but in the UK, they have a political body called the House of Lords. And that's that all I'm going to explain to you. Shit, bro. bro, but they fucking just dropped the, the band hammer. <laughs> they just dropped the band hammer As on loot boxes. And gambling mechanics and games, which means gotchas, pachinko machines, fucking slot machines, and games that are rated E. If you want to keep that rating and be able to be sold at the Peggy whatever rating, because Peggy is the UK version. Peggy 13. You are going to have to take all that shit out. And not only did they drop the legislation, but they said that most of the changes need to happen. Don't even need legislation, so they are expected to happen within the next seven days. Nice. Bro, they just dropped a band hammer, bro. Big time. That's a pretty strong win. I love that because that... America's feckless. They will never regulate a market. And and I I have some somber news in in reference to that because, you know, the, the number one cause of why the American government is completely useless is because Mitch McConnell is heading a house, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, uh, Charles Booker, the guy, the 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 candidate that I was heavily supporting to run against him, lost his primary. When so, when you lose the primary, that means that you do not get the nomination for your party, which means you will not even have the chance to run against uh, Mitch McConnell. So Mitch McConnell is going to st- sit in power. And so when it comes to regulating video games in the American market, it just won't happen because the person who is the head of the legislative body is recalcitrant to the idea of regulating any kind of market, period, especially one that pays him. 
And so that is what it is. But I won't get too deep into that right now. Um, I'm hugely uh, optimistic to see uh, that the UK market is starting to regulate this because that promises... Because losing the UK market, even though it's not the biggest market, it's like maybe the fourth or fifth biggest market, it's still a large enough market share to make them consider institutional changes. And so I'm proud, I'm happy that there is going to be hopefully some legislation passed that has the uh, possibility of becoming international um, standards in terms of regulating uh, gambling in the games because it's bad. Because because gambling is so addictive and so manipulative of immature minds and young people, it's just, it's become prolific. Like, you can make a game that isn't even a complete game and put one of these mechanics in it and manage to... Sprinkle some pretty graphics on it. Yeah, and 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 make a massive amount of money, and it it just sucks that that is the fundamental core premise of the prem of the monetization of a lot of video games, whether it's mobile or platform or or console these days. Like it is just a core mechanic. Like they're trying to make infinite monetization of everything. Yep. But yeah, man, did you see the um the the uh, press package that Virgil? Or was released that Virgil produced for Pop Smoke's upcoming album? No, I didn't. Uh, well, <laughs> that, that the album cover <laughs> enough wasn't was created so much negative buzz that they just scrapped that shit. Damn, it was bad. Damn. Like first of yeah, all, that's crazy. I didn't know. What was it? Hold on, let me oh, look this up. Okay, so do you remember the watch the? The Watch the Throne album cover, it was that gold 3D. Yeah. Okay. You remember the Cruel Summer album cover? It was that silver kind of like 3D. Is that motif? Evidently, that's Virgil. I didn't okay. realize that that was Virgil's MO. But that's Virgil. He took that on some super basic shit and just overlaid it over a picture of Pop Smoke and presented that as an album cover. I mean, it does look like some graphics from Reboot. Okay, does it look like a joke? Yeah. It That's looks the like... shit. That's the real shit he submitted, bro. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Reboot from back in the day, but these... Yes! The barbed wire That's looks the problem. Like it, it came from uh, so, uh, Reboot stock footage. Every, so, thank goodness, Pop Smoke's team was like, listen, we sent it to Virgil because one of Pop Smoke's Wishes before he even knew he was in danger <laughs> was to have Virgil design his album cover and his and his and his media rollout. So we thought in our in in honor of that we would present Virgil with the press rollout. Yeah, we didn't know this was what he was going to return. So we're we're squarely not going to go this route, and we're going to go a different turn. So. Pop Smoke's team definitely responded to the the fan the fan outcry for something yeah. a little bit more original. Virgil was tripping, like, but this they is gave my, you the LU, man. I, I don't know why you dropped that shit, bro. Come on, but, but this is my thing: is that the culture has accepted a certain level level of mediocrity that is not good. In the pursuit of of supporting black people, we have chosen to support some shitty black people. And Virgil just doesn't produce anything anything of quality. And my problem is that because we have chosen to support black people, we supported Virgil, and in doing so, we have given him outlet to be in in the room with these white people in terms of his his work with Louis Vuitton and so forth. And he has abdicated his, his responsibility to advocate for black people. And so being the only black person in a lot of these rooms, the fact that so much gets put out and doesn't get called out personally by him, we need to stop fucking just supporting black people for the sake of black people. 
Because Virgil is not talented. Even at best, his talent is to take other people's talent and just make it culturally relevant. That's not a laudable talent. And so, if we don't choose to be more uh, uh, scrupulous, to be a little bit more attentive to the artists that we choose to support in mass, all we're doing is allowing people who lack the quality to, to represent us be promoted in white culture because all white people want is the easiest, easiest person to, to manipulate. So that's why they go to a person like Kanye West. That's why they go to a person like Virgil. Because these people, in Kanye's particular uh, circumstance, he doesn't have the moral value to be a representative of a large amount of people. In Virgil's particular situation, he lacks the artistic value to be a representative for artistic community. We gotta stop platforming these people who lack the values we need to be platformed. It's okay to support Kanye and to in, appreciate his music and, and some of his fashion and so forth, but we shouldn't be platforming him to talk in reference to black people just because he is black. And it's the same thing with Virgil. Virgil lacks the talent to merit why he is in the positions he's in. And on top of that, we, we the black community values his voice so much that we ask him to do important things. And we probably shouldn't. If he's going to be popular and, and, and make his name in fashion, let him do that. But we shouldn't be platforming him to, to honor, like, our deceased, you know, uh, a figurehead. And I wouldn't say that Pop Smoke is a figurehead, but he was, a, he was becoming very prominent in his demographic, in his age group. And, and he deserved a lot of respect because a lot of older people also gravitated to him. And so he was becoming a voice. And we shouldn't platform Virgil to be to be any kind of, of of representative for that. He just isn't. And unfortunately, because Pop Smoke revered the culture the way he did, and the culture revered Virgil the way he did, he 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 really wanted to have something produced by him. When really and truly, I'm sure there was. He knew, I'm pretty sure Pop Smoke knew people who could have represented him better, personally. And so, yeah, I, I just wanted to point out that whole Virgil thing to say, hey, let's, uh, let's pay attention a little bit more to the people who, who we choose to laud in this industry because they're going to be tied to, to, to legacy, to, to shit that lasts a lot longer than their name. And if we aren't mindful about the people who, who we, we elevate to the upper echelon, we are going to look crazy in the future. <laughs> crazy. But yeah, um, let's move on from that. Uh, let's move on to some... Oh, um, before I got banned from Twitter... I did notice that there was a little bit of a back and forth going on between Nori and uh, some of the more uh, the more prominent black intellectuals, i.e., Mark Lamont Hill, Talib Kweli, and so forth. And that was in reference to now. I I really have a hard time with social media, which is why I don't have a huge amount of love lost from <laughs> stepping away from it because this entire situation kind of played out on there and I couldn't grasp what was going on, but there was no other public medium in which I can engage with this. And so from what I understand, Mark Lamont Hill turned down a drink champs, uh, interview on the back of the idea that, Nori aired an interview with Russell Simmons, who has allegations against him. 
So Mark Lamont Hill in the black community is a no name. Let's just be honest. Black people aren't looking for Mark Lamont Hill. But in the woke white sphere, in the ears of the people who actually can enact change, Mark Lamont Hill is a name that they recognize. And so it it would have been a huge platform for him to talk to drink champs because the people who who support him would are mostly people who would never be exposed to the type of uh, perspective that comes from drink champs. And so it would have been a great interview. But evidently, from what I understand, he turned that in he turned down that interview on the back of Nori having platformed and given an interview to Russell Simmons, who, by the way, Nori has now taken down on his own volition until this is a settled situation with Russell Simmons in, in respect to Russell Simmons. So this started out as a just a interpersonal back and forth that spilled over into social media and I totally support Nori and that he has done everything he can to be open to to the to the sphere of people who find Russell Simmons problematic and at the same time created a platform that is important for black intellectuals to engage with. There is a huge and, and I see this I see this mostly when I when I hear um Lord Jamar speak, but there is a huge anti academic, anti intellectual sentiment that is in the black community that needs to be dealt with because there is a huge and this is coming from someone who has been very successful in the academic sphere. Most of my my philosophical and and political acumen comes from particularly engaging with the academic sphere, but still holds and lauds the kind of pride and honor based society that grows from tribal cultures that grows from a more street oriented perspective. There is a huge amount of gain to be to be had from engaging with the academic sphere. Because if you can engage with them without without foregoing your morals and your standards, you can learn a whole new perspective of how to 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 deal with your very environment. And so there's a lot of 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 conflict resolution that you'll never engage with in the community that the academic sphere brings that is hugely beneficial. And so I I definitely wish to see that that engagement. But unfortunately, there's there's a huge amount of anti-academic sentiment that runs throughout the black community and we need to deal with that. And 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 this was a situation where Nori, who firmly and is entrenched in the streets and is ensconced in the in the idea of, of street pride and holding street reputability, can engage with somebody who has fully evolved the 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 academic intellectual sphere uh, with the 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 black experience, this could have been a conversation that that could open up the minds of so many people. But instead, Mark Lamont Hill chooses to play an identity politics game, a a a uh, game of moral superiority where he won't engage with Nori because of, of one interview that he did that he even admits should be probably brought pulled back until the situation is is 100% handled. And so I put this squarely 
on the community of academics to fucking engage with people in the community on a genuine fucking level. You just can't leave academics alone, can you? Fuck DJ academics. <laughs> Fuck that. I hate that nigga so much. And he is so indicative of of the overall rot and anti-intellectualism that runs throughout the fucking African-American community. Um, God, man, why'd you bring that man up, man? I fucking despise that dude. <laughs> he is the probably the number one culture vulture, I would say. More so than the people who make millions off of black backs, DJ Academics is the worst type of culture vulture. But nonetheless, let's... I'm speaking about genuine academics who go through academia and who engage with 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 these ideas on a much deeper level. The black academics need to step the fuck up and engage with the community on a more genuine level. Stop it. They need to stop with this whole moral superiority thing. Stop trying to perform under the white gaze. Like, stop trying to make yourself palatable to white people. You're already palatable to white people. That's why they platform you. So why don't you represent something at some point that is outside of the acceptance of white people? Because guess what? When you live in a white supremacist society, the idea that black people should be empowered is outside of the purview of white society. So if you genuinely want to talk about the empowerment of black people just to get equality status, you genuinely have to make white people uncomfortable. It is antithetical to the society that they have set up. And it is okay. There's a whole generation of white people coming up looking for for black people to lead them into that, that space. There is. I see it. There is. They're not the older generation. They're not the empowered generation. They're not the generation with with money, but they are the younger generation. And so just by virtue of time, they will eventually be important. And so if they're looking for it, then we should probably engage them a little more substantively. Just saying. Don't even remember how I got off on that topic, but yeah. Moving on. Um... I want to move into a couple of, uh, of political topics before I close out because I've been ranting plenty for this episode. And so I really hope you guys have been getting something out of all of this back and forth that I've been going with, with engaging with the, the, the current atmosphere as it is. But we need some, some voices that are, are substantively speaking about why the, the environment we are in is generally toxic. And it's not because of the element of tradition that exists in it. It's pretty much because of the of the toxicity that was present in the, the society that it was engaged in. But yeah. Um man, I somberly have to 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 report that the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone has been descended upon and disbanded. <laughs> That was a pretty good run, though. It was a decent run. That I'll give those white run. boys a a a a, a a a a a decent shout out, some flowers. They had a good run, but yeah, that's longer than I expected it to. Really? I I I thought they was really well. They were talking that good shit. Ah, never mind. We're in the middle of the crisis, and the government is sort of like dumb well, right now. So. There were some there there were some shootings that happened. And I'm, they, there hasn't been any genuine reporting on it. I haven't heard from the people in the chat in that area, in the Shaz zone. And so I believe that they were probably police instigated shootings. But there's, since there's no reporting coming from that zone, there's no way to say for sure. But um, they were ill-equipped to deal with any kind of loss of life. And so it was bound to happen. They got disbanded. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the other two autonomous zones that popped up in Texas and in North Carolina have been disbanded, but the main one that was acting as a impetus for kind of like really like some like example of autonomous living kind of got shut down. So I was I, I was sad to hear about that, but unfortunately, if you 
do something like that and you aren't ready to a properly <laughs> report and deal with any kind of violence that happens in there then you probably should just chill probably for the best that that organized protest got disbanded um yeah and i mentioned earlier in the show Unfortunately, all of that good shit I was talking about, Kentucky and having faith in the heartland and got thrown out the window. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Charles Booker won the, the actual vote. But due to the fact that they shut down literally, I think it was like 85% thought, yeah. of their voting the polling stations. Places, the voting places, not the polls. They, they, they shut down 85% of the voting uh, locations for the districts that were heavily in favor of of Charles Booker. It was a matter. I I, I had a feeling it was going to be rigged against him, and uh, the, his opponent. I won't even name her on here. Uh, capitalized on that, and he meant and he lost his primary. I think it was by five points. So it was for him as an insurgent to be leading. For 75% of the vote, I think, was a huge accomplishment. Um, I won't downplay at all the work and effort that, that people put into him running. He did it with all without the help of the Congressional Black Caucus that is chaired by, uh, I believe, Barbara Lee or Nancy Pelosi, one of those two. Um, that is also caucused with Barbara Lee. Um, I'm sorry, with um, Karen Bass, who is our personal congresswoman. I am hugely disappointed in that. Um, uh, I believe Maxine Waters, uh, Jim Clyburn, did not rally behind this man who had only a marginal loss to a candidate that had outspent him 10 to 1. So that's needless to say, I hate to say to report that he lost, but I believe that it was stolen from him. I believe that that is a legitimate claim to be made. And it just sucks because it only entrenches the Mitch McConnells. You know what I mean? Like Charles Booker versus Mitch McConnell, I think outside of the rampant voter suppression could have been a major change in our Congress, but he managed to rally his establishment, uh, his establishment friends on the Democratic side, and rally against uh, the one insurgent candidate candidate that really posed a threat to him in his um, in his run. So, that's more bad news. It wasn't a really great week for progressive causes. This is needless to say. But um, I did want to say I was happy to hear that evidently uh, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, one of Jeffrey Epstein's main consorts and collaborators in his pedophile ring, was recently arrested. And it was crazy because when I was listening to the story, I thought, oh, man, they got her on the obvious pedophile ring that they were running. No. They got her on public corruption. <laughs> now, if you understand what funny. the charge of public corruption is, it means that you have consorted with a public official that is using public funds to to collaborate with you. Pay to play schemes. Yes, but what that does is it Im- implicates someone and the the American. Con- uh, probably leg- uh, the legislative body, the Congress, um, in terms of the House of Representatives of the Senate, has been doing business with her. And we all know what her business is. And so the fact that they pulled her on public corruption from the FBI means that that implicates somebody else, which means that these soft ass niggas are going to fold. I can't wait to hear. I can't wait to hear what information whatever this this public figure is or whoever this public figure is that that uh has been implicated in business with uh, Ghislaine and Maxwell 
whatever whoever that person is, they're gonna be giving up big names. Man, you better watch her twenty four seven. Oh, bro, she's she dead money. Dead <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> yeah, she's done so. Um, I you gotta watch that congressperson because they're the ones who because who have the actual like information that can because the thing is is like we all know they're not gonna get hit on pedophilia or anything of that nature they don't give a fuck about that the only way they're gonna they're gonna get really hit with major charges is 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 if they uh, implicated or or contaminated public money mm-hmm. for some reason our government's really uptight about that mm-hmm. it's really weird they will take all kinds of corruption but what you're not allowed to do is take the public dollar nope. because I think that they understand that that's the own that's the only reason why the public ever gives the, the government any kind of credence is because they have our money and if we think that they're mismanaging our money that's when we change shit that's when niggas fucking start a whiskey rebellion that's when niggas have a Boston Tea Party that's when niggas really you know what I mean nobody really fucking cares until the government's mismanaging your money then niggas get mad. You know what I mean? Nah, I think it's more of a scare tactic. You know what I mean? And so it's. I think it's more of like, yo, don't. We are not easy marks. Don't fuck with us. Anybody that try will regret it. I feel like that's more of of a. It's more of a. That's my money. Yeah, precisely. That's okay. That's okay. You you can touch that dude's money. You can touch that dude's money. You can touch that dude's money. Listen, you're talking more realistically. Okay, (laughs) I'm talking about political fantasy. Okay, (laughs) if you touch my money. Yeah. I'm gonna ruin your life in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like in front of. It's everybody. not even the money they directly have in their hand. It's money they could possibly have, and mm-hmm. you can't even fuck with money they could possibly get. Yeah, no. Money is money is following the money is the most dangerous thing. You can but do. I'm just happy to see like that that like having the American tag on my name like means that I kind of have to own. And that's something that Dave Chappelle talked about. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, not Dave Chappelle. Uh, Hassan Minhaj talked about. It's like, when you become American and when you have the American tag, you don't just get to own the great parts. <laughs> you got to also that's own the nasty parts. And the American government has been getting nasty awards for pedophilia for decades. And so, like, it really... Like, that's something... Like, as an adult, you kind of come to accept, like, the extortion... And the manipulation that comes with like adults dealing with adults, but it's like the pedophilia is like, come on, man! I don't want to sign on to that part. Like all the rest of it, I could I could go to sleep at night and say, hey, you know what? It's adults dealing with adults. Well, when you fucking when when being an American means that you're signing on to like a pedophilia, fucking a weird, gross, like touching of children, uncomfortable violation of child sanctity type of shit. You know what I mean? Like that's why I can't vote for Biden. Is because that nigga has touched little girls in weird ways too much for me. Like hair sniffer. I can never fucking. How can you have a daughter and be okay with voting for that guy? That's the part that is like, I can empathize enough with people to know that one day I might have a daughter, and so I never want to be in support of somebody who sniffs fucking little girls' hair (laughs) because guess what? Little girls might not fucking be okay with that, and that could traumatize them. And I'm not okay with anything that traumatizes little fucking girls. Like, come on, guys. Like, we got to be hard on that. You know what I mean? That's that's part of, like, what I was talking about earlier with the George Lopez thing. It's like, okay, guys. Like, we can laugh at things to cope with the pain. But when the wound is still open, you're not coping with the pain. You still need to suture the wound. And I feel like racial comedy right now is, like hitting on an unsuited wound. It's like, we gotta get through the pain to be able to joke about it. Like, joking is only cathartic once we're not feeling the pain anymore. But if we're still feeling the pain, the joking just feels like it feel, it hurts. You know what I mean? And that's how I kind of feel about that. But yeah. Alright. I really appreciate you guys dealing with me through this one, man. I was super, super duper tipsy and, uh, I just wanted to give you guys a lot of my feelings. I really appreciate you guys for having stuck with us this long. That was episode one of season three, episode 53 overall. But yeah, I'm not going to plug the Twitter right now. I haven't decided whether I want to join on it, but definitely hit up 
Catch me on Instagram at Rico underscore G sound. And please be patient with me. I'm going to start the actual Heron's Home Instagram. And when I do, it's going to have tons of images and content for you guys to engage with. I'm just really, really like my worst critic when it comes to making sure that I have something of value to give you guys. So please be patient with that. But yeah, I'm going to leave you with these words. Time is only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly do learn from. Have a great one, guys. Thanks for hanging with us. Take it easy.